Pastor, thank you so much. It's such a joy. My heart has been refreshed this morning. Thank you for the music. Those of you that participated, beautiful directing of our hearts and our thoughts to truths that we need as we approach this new year. And uh, that, that song we just heard, such a reminder of us what the psalmist said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We are God's people. We're living in a culture that is very wicked, and deceptive, overwhelming. But here on this Lord's Day, already in the messages of music, we have been reminded of truths that are eternal, truths that are heavenly. He is our guide. And as we seek him, as the deer panteth after the water brook, as we seek him, he will be found, and so forth. We've heard through all these songs a reminder, again, of the coming of the Lord and that we, we are pilgrims. We are pilgrims and strangers here in this world. And though we are living in time, God is not. The years go by and and we think they're passing by quickly, but in God's economy, it's all seen at once. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And so as we enter into this new year, 2024, it's good to be reminded of these heavenly truths, heavenly realities that should be guiding our steps. And I'm so blessed to be with you. So many of you are dear friends there's no way I could even uh, start naming or, or, or even thinking about how many people in this congregation that I'm speaking to this morning I've had long-standing friendship with and so many times we've been through this ministry and I'm so thankful for the privilege of sharing with you. I just want to say a special thank you to this church and to the staff and to the ministry here. Every one of your pastors, including Steve and Caleb, who are your newest pastors, I have had relationship with, friendship with for many years. And I count that as a privilege. As an evangelist who travels into many different ministries, I I look at Colonial Hills Baptist Church as, as one of the great churches of America. I hope you understand how blessed you are. And I'm so thankful to be here this morning and challenge you from the Word of God. I will be preaching tonight as well. I hope you'll come back and I hope that uh, you will be a part of our service this evening as well. Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. You know, we come to the beginning of every year and maybe you have a perspective of, I'm glad 23 is over. Maybe you have a perspective of excitement that it's now 2024. We can kind of get past everything that just happened. Maybe I'm talking to some people here this morning and, and you really had a rough year. Maybe there was trials and troubles and difficulties in health or family or, 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 or whatever may be happening in your life and, and you're kind of glad it's over. And maybe there's a real excitement for some of you to come into a new beginning, to come into a new year. But then there are some of you that are looking ahead into 2024 and you already know what's going to happen. Some of the things that are on the calendar, some of the things that are on the schedule, some of the things that are coming in 2024. And maybe your spirit this morning is more one of anxiousness 
or maybe even fearfulness about what's going to happen this year. I, I know some of the things that are coming, and I, I don't know all of that's coming, but I do know it's going to be difficult. Whatever perspective you may have on the new year, there's one place that we have to turn that brings everything into focus, and that's the Word of God. God's Word gives us a right perspective on this new year. Now, to be very transparent, as I think about 2024, there's a number of things happening in my life and my family that could cause me to have the second, the latter response. I actually have two weddings in my family, and my, my two older daughters are both getting married in 2024. I, I'm a little nervous about that, okay? Not, not nervous about who they're marrying, but just the schedule of that and the planning of that and the, the pain for that. I've got four daughters. Some of you know that uh, my family and I are also in somewhat of a, what I would call a major transition of ministry and life. And, and to be honest with you, I, I might even be moving locations in 2024. I'm not even sure about all that yet. And so I have a little bit of, a little bit of that second response that the natural tendency uh, in, in, in temptation is to be fearful about what is coming. And yet we have the truth of the Bible which guides us to think right about our lives, to think right about ministry, to think right about our families. And, and, and I wanna share those realities. I think that this text that we're gonna look at this morning really helps us to, to have uh, some real, a reality check, a perspective check. This actually has become, as I've, uh, as I've worked in ministry for many years, this has become one of the main focuses of my ministry as, and, and passions of my heart. And that is to change our perspective. We, we are so living in the here and now. And one of my favorite texts is Colossians chapter 3. Set your affection on what? Things above. So the question is not what we're seeing. The question is what's, what's really happening. And I'm not, don't, don't think I'm getting spooky. I think everything we're seeing is actually happening, okay? But the Bible does say we walk by what? Faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Whether it's in our families or in our ministries or as we look at what's happening in our culture, we, we could be so disillusioned and despondent and even in despair by what we see. But we need to ask ourselves, what is the eternal perspective? What is the reality in the real world that is happening? And I think what Paul does for us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is he calls us to remember some heavenly, eternal, spiritual realities of our, of our experience here on this earth. And as we move into this new year, I want to remind us that these need to be continually coming into our thoughts. These realities need to keep our perspective in check. And I hope this will be a challenge to all of us this morning as we enter into this new year. Now, most of you are probably aware that the writer of this text, the Apostle Paul, is in his final hour. This is the last book of the New Testament that Paul wrote. He is writing it to his young disciple in the faith named Timothy. 
Timothy had such promise, he had such potential that Paul took him on his missionary journeys and Paul entrusted him with the ministry. Paul trained him. He had a special relationship with this young man, Timothy. And we have this book of 2 Timothy and really these two pastoral epistles, 1 and 2 Timothy, I think one of the primary themes of the book of 2 Timothy is the theme of faithfulness. And it's logical to assume that Paul was nervous, that when he was gone and when he was, was going to die, that Timothy would remain faithful. And I think that is a clear theme in, in the book of 2 Timothy. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished a course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there are laid up for me crowns of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And so we know that Paul is encouraging Timothy to be faithful. And here's the key point that I want you to get this morning. There is no way to be faithful. There is no way to have that proper perspective on life unless we call to remembrance eternal realities. Realities of life and ministry as a Christian that we need to keep refreshing in our minds over and over and over. And I want to give those realities to you this morning in this message. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 10 through verse 12, we find the first spiritual reality that we need to be reminded of, refresh ourselves with regularly as we're living in our culture, as we go throughout this new year, that we would have this perspective. Notice verse 10, it says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, I know this is meant to be an encouraging message this morning of commitment and faithfulness, but I'm also trying to bring a little bit of sense of reality. And this is a reality that we as believers entering into a new year need to keep reminding ourselves of. This is not something we want to hear this morning, but here it is. Reality number one, you will suffer persecution. You will suffer persecution. Now, do we not understand that the writer of this text understood a little bit about suffering? I mean, out of all the people we see in the Bible, and really all, almost all the people throughout church history, the Apostle Paul surely was one of the most persecuted people, Christians, ever to live on this planet. You know, it's interesting to think about this because remember, before Paul was saved, his name was what? Saul. And what was he doing? He was persecuting people. And yet when he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, according to his own testimony, his salvation conversion, and he, and he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't this an amazing thing that God radically cha uh, transformed his life? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. And it seems very ironic to me that the man who was breathing out threatenings and slaughters and was holding the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen, 
was radically changed into a Christian who then became the most persecuted apostle? There's some irony there. The Apostle Paul is writing this very text while he's in a dungeon in Rome, probably under the cruel dictator Nero. Shortly after he finishes it, he is beheaded. He loses his life for the sake of the gospel. I think he knew how to encourage Timothy concerning the role of suffering in life. As a matter of fact, it's actually one of the central themes you see running throughout the book of 2 Timothy. I think Timothy was a little shy, he was a little sickly, he was probably not quite as bold and courageous as Paul was, and so Paul is continually saying to him things like, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Endure affliction, endure suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ and so forth. He's constantly reminding him that it's not gonna be easy. You will suffer persecution. My friends, this morning, this is a reality that we need to remind ourselves of because we expect everything to be really good and really well as we enter into 2024, but the reality is there's suffering right around the corner. For all of us that name the name of Christ, It's interesting that in this text that we just read, Paul mentions three cities. Now, I'm sure that other places we could find where Paul is lifting up the amazing miracles and the amazing revivals and the amazing conversions that were happening in different cities. But these particular cities are mentioned here to remind Timothy that those were cities in which Paul suffered and all the people that were with him suffered. First, he mentions the city of Antioch in verse 11. In Acts chapter 13, the Bible tells us Paul and Barnabas were persecuted and expelled, kicked out. They were kicked out of the city of Antioch because they were preaching the gospel. Secondly, he mentions the city of Iconium in Acts chapter 14. Uh, The Bible tells us about that story where Paul has to leave Iconium as a result of a plot to stone him to death. He hears about this plot. He hears they're going to kill him and he has to get out of the city. He's literally fleeing for his life. He mentions a third city and that city is the city of Lystra, which is interesting because this would be the city that Timothy knew very well. It was his hometown. It's where Paul met Timothy, in the city of Lystra, where he grew up. And in Acts chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, we find that that Paul has to leave the city of Lystra of Lystra because they actually did stone him. He somehow miraculously survived. There was a stoning in Lystra. That was Timothy's hometown. And could we not go on and on and on? We we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, probably one of the greatest listings of someone's sufferings in all of the Bible. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul is reminding the false apostles that one of the characteristics of a genuine apostle is that that they suffer. He is actually utilizing his sufferings to defend his apostleship. He says this, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one, thrice was I beaten with rods, 
Once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, perils by mine own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. Everywhere he went, he was suffering. And he follows this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, where he says, Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And isn't this similar to what he is saying here to Timothy when he says in verse 12, All that live godly are going to suffer persecution. Now, it would be ridiculous for any of us to want the suffering. Somebody say amen, please. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about doing things so that you will be persecuted. I'm just saying in the normal course of life, and I'm just telling you in 2024, you're going to suffer. And you're going to suffer because you love Jesus. You're going to suffer because you're, uh, you're raising your family for God. You're going to suffer for standing for right. You're going to suffer uh, when you commit yourself to, to the truth of the Bible. You will suffer persecution if you just live as a pilgrim and a stranger, as a soldier in this world. You will suffer persecution. But Jesus said, blessed are you when men shall revile you and shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And so this is an emphasis that Paul is giving to Timothy, and, and Paul is about to leave, and Timothy's taking over the, uh, and, and kind of be, becoming the minister he needs to be, and Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, you need to remember this. In order to be faithful to God, you need to remember it's not going to be easy. Now folks, I just want to challenge you with this, because let's be honest. There are many Christians who quit when it gets hard. And real commitment pushes through the suffering with the power of God. His grace is sufficient. As Paul told us in 2 Corinthians. So we understand that this is a reality that needs to bring us into the new year. And, and, and folks, if you're not aware of this, persecution of true believers is on the rise in the world. And it is also on the rise in American society. And sad to say, there are many people cowering in fear and compromising their principles because it's difficult and it, it is hard. Listen, we, would ha we wanna have grace in suffering. We wanna, we wanna always speak the truth and love through the suffering. But you know what? We need, to, we need to be willing to suffer whatever God brings our way for the sake of his name. I want to challenge you about that. Faithfulness demands that we remember this reality. Reality number one, you will suffer. And this is what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.12. If we suffer here, we shall reign with him there. And there will be a crown of rejoicing for those who are, in, who are enduring the suffering. As he tells us in 2 Timothy 2.3, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And there will be a reward, there will be a, a crown as we think about the eternal reality of what's really going on while we're suffering. We're laying up treasures in heaven. Right, so the message today is all about the theme of the book of Timothy, which is faithfulness. And what I'm saying is if we're going to be faithful in 2024 and we're going to set ourselves on that that good course, whether we have a really exhilarating feeling like it's going to be awesome 2024 or whether we have a little bit of a like, 
a wonder what's going to happen in 2024 feeling? We need to change our perspective and put it on eternal realities. And here's one of them. You're going to suffer persecution. You may as well just plan it. Don't put it on your calendar, okay? But you can plan. You will suffer persecution. Notice there's a second reality that we see in this text as we continue moving through uh, chapter 3. Notice verse 13. The Bible says this, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, he uses this word wax. This word wax is actually a blacksmith term. It literally means to lengthen out by hammering. If you th- imagine the blacksmith, and he's heating up the metal, and he's hammering the metal to lengthen out the metal. I know when we see this word wax, we naturally think of a candle that is melting down, and maybe the wax is getting, uh, getting around the base or even on the table that it's sitting on, And we think of the meltdown of the wax. But the idea of this word wax, it literally means it's going to be progressive, uh, getting longer and harder. It's progressively growing. We know this because he also says deceiving and being deceived. What this phrase simply means is that uh, some error typically breeds more error. Error breeds more error. And so this is a reality that we need to think about as pilgrims, as as soldiers in the world in which we live. As we approach a new year, uh, this this can warm our hearts today to to recognize that the world is getting worse. That's what it says here. It's waxing worse and worse. You say, how does that warm our hearts? Well, praise God, we're on a journey somewhere better, amen? Amen. We look for a city whose builder and maker is God. I often think about the story of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And it was, it was quite the journey to the celestial city. And that, that's the kind of journey we're on. And there's problems and there's, and there's temptations and there's worldliness all around us. And it should be no surprise to us this second reality we need to remember. What I'm saying is you will never be faithful if you just continue to have a doomsday attitude and a frustrated spirit toward all the corruption that is around us. We should want it to change. We should try to stem the tide. We should do all we can to live holy lives and show forth Christ in this culture. But the Bible showcases for us that it's probably going to continue to get worse and worse. Now, notice how Paul tells us this in the beginning of chapter 3. Notice what he says. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And of course, we understand the term, the last days. It's referring to the, the, the days when Jesus Christ could return after his ascension. I do believe that even Paul, when he was writing this, was hopeful that the last, they were in the last days. I think the point is that the last days are any time that Jesus could return. And if his return is imminent, then we are still living in the last days. There is literally nothing that has to happen for us to to be taken up in the raptures as was reflected on even before the the choir song this morning. So we are definitely in the last days. And it is interesting that he's describing their days. He's describing what's there and what's coming and the prediction of that. But it's almost as if he could see that every civilization is going to be this way. Our culture is this way. Look, Look at the description of the culture and and the perverseness of it, and, and 
the, how it's getting worse and worse. He says, these dangerous times or perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. I do think that that often is, this phrase often becomes the beginning of all of these other self-values, all these other sinful corruptions. They, they go back to the fact that we love men and women love themselves. They love, they become lovers of their own selves. And notice the, the uh, results of that, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Boy, this is, this is a, not a pretty picture, but it is an accurate one of what we see all around us. It's not hard to see all of these qualities, all of these sinful characteristics in the downward spiral of the culture in which we live. It's getting worse and worse. We should not be discouraged about this. We should expect wicked people to be wicked. Oh, this, is, this is a struggle that you see throughout the Old Testament. Why are the wicked prospering? The reality is, in God's economy, they're not. In God's economy, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. In God's economy, we know though, though hand join in hand, the wicked will not be unpunished. You see, it's, it's a perspective. And if our perspective is a worldly one, where success is based on uh, popularity or, 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 or financial possessions, riches, or, or some other quality that the earth lifts up, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, if, if our perspective is just like the world, then we're gonna live frustrated like many of the writers of the Old Testament. Lord, why are the wicked prospering and the, and the righteous are not prospering? And the reality is, God will always bless the righteous. The way of the righteous, Psalm 1, is the blessed way. And the way of the ungodly shall perish. You see how our perspective is what brings all of this into, into clarity for us. That as we see the world getting worse, it doesn't mean we just give up. I'm not saying that. We pray for it. We, we try to be salt and light. We try to be the influence that we can be. But do not allow the culture to change you, change your values. Listen. First John 2 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John 4 verse, or James 4 verse 4 says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And so what's interesting here in this verse is I think there's a general reference in verse 13 to the culture at large. It's getting worse and worse. But notice the specific reference, and this is interesting, is a specific reference to the church, to false teaching in the church, evil men and seducers. Now, if you're wondering about this, just turn on Christian television every once in a while and don't, don't stay there very long. I'm not saying everybody that's involved in Christian television is a false teacher, but a lot of them are. And it's frustrating when the largest churches of America are being pastored by charlatans. That's frustrating. But look, it's, it's predicted here. It's to be expected. There's always been false teachers 
trying to pull away God's people, trying to deceive people uh, for their own financial gain or for pleasure or for popularity, and it's getting worse and worse, and this is something we need to think about. We need to be confident and and thankful that that God has given us his word, and God's given you a a faithful pastor and a wonderful church where, where the truth of God is being preached. We need to be faithful to our church. We need to be faithful to the word of God. We need to be Berean Christians who study the scripture to see if it is so. Because this is a reality. The world, and even some in the church, are getting worse and worse. This is a reality that will help us to be faithful. I don't know about you, but sometimes you do feel alone. Do you? Sometimes you wonder, you know, where, where, are, where are the other people that are trying to stand and do and be what I believe God's word teaches? And, and this is why coming to a great place like this where there's a congregation of like-minded, unified people should be something that is not an option for a believer. You gotta be here. You gotta be here every time. You gotta be with God's people so that you can encourage one another to stand against the corruption, so you can encourage one another to to not be fearful, but to speak the truth boldly. And and that's what I believe this text is helping remind us, this spiritual reality, it's going to get worse. Don't be surprised. Be faithful. Be faithful in 2024. And remember, you will suffer, and the world is getting worse. Let's notice a, a third reality in this text. As we continue to read, starting in verse 14, very encouraging verse, very challenging verse, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. This is the third reality. Number one, you will suffer persecution. Number two, the world is getting worse. Number three, you can and must continue in the things you have learned. This is where real commitment sets in for our lives spiritually. And it's interesting that this word continue is the same word that's used to refer to abiding in Christ in the book of John. It literally means to remain. It means to stick with it. Stay with it. How often do we see people who used to believe something and now they don't? They used to stand for something. They used to speak out against something, and now they're completely different. There is something to be said about people who just are the same. Continue in the things which you have learned. Remain, abide, stick with it. And it's interesting that verse 14 tells us two ways that that happens. First of all, by being confident that it's true. This is why we can't stay shallow Christians. This is why we need the, the word taught to us. We need, we need to go to the Indianapolis Bible Institute. We need to be deeply studying theology and practice. We need to dig down deep into the Bible because people who stick with the truth are people who absolutely believe it's true. And When you are doubting, you are drifting. Doubting Christians are drifting Christians. This is why we need to study, as Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. We don't check our brain at the door. We don't just do our religious thing and go to church. We open our Bibles and we see if it's so. We, we go back home, we look at it, we study it, we put it into our lives, and, and we make sure that we are, we are assured of, confident of what we've learned. So we remain in what we've learned by being confident in what we've learned. 
Secondly, we, we remain in what we have learned when we think about the people who have taught us. Can I just tell you something? As you go throughout 2024, you ought to remember your pastor. You ought to remember what he's teaching. You ought to remember his demeanor, his message, his communication. You ought to remember him when you're struggling with something. Remember the person who taught you. Remember somebody in your past that has taught you. Remember your parents. Remember your, your teachers. Remember somebody that was a mentor to you. Remember people who have taught you. And, and what Paul does is he calls Timothy to remember some of the very individuals that gave their life for him and served him. Starting with Lois and Eunice, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. I think for sure he's referring to his godly upbringing, and secondly, he's referring to all of the apostles, the other apostles, and specifically to himself. Don't forget me. Don't forget what I've said. Don't forget the truth that you've seen and, and heard lived and, and watched lived in my life. Don't forget the people who have taught you. But listen, there is no excuse for us not to stick with it. And you don't stick with it because it's Colonial Hills Baptist Church, and you don't stick with it because it's Pastor Phelps or Brother Mark Herbster or any preacher for that matter. Folks, we stick with it because it's true. And truth matters. And truth is not just theological dogma that we read in the Bible, but truth is also the principles and the application of those principles they may be varied application, but the principle that, of God's word has to be applied into our lives. And if it's true, then we gotta stick with it. And I just wanna challenge you today to commit yourself to this kind of continuation. Continue in the things which you have learned. So that when we get to the end of 24 and we're talking about coming into 25, you'll be able to look back and say, you know what, God, I, I, was, fa I was faithful as best I know how to follow your word in my life. I wasn't perfect, but I, I stuck with the truth. I remain in the truth. You must continue in the truth of God. There's one final reality I wanna just reference here this morning that's probably the most important one as we come to the end of this message this morning. Number one, you will suffer persecution. Number two, the world is getting worse. Number three, you must remain, continue in the things which you have learned. And number four, you do so by desperately depending on the word of God. You cannot do any of these truths, you cannot live in these realities apart from the sufficient, inspired, reliable word of God. And there's an emphasis here, of course, on the word of God, starting in verse 15, but notice verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is the classic text on the profitability of the Bible. And we've already been challenged about that today, that in 2024, we need to be students of the Bible. We need to read it. We need to meditate on it. We need to memorize it. We need to live it. God's word has to be thoroughly immersed. We're thoroughly immersed in the word of God. So he says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then he goes into chapter four, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. Notice it's preaching the word. That's where the power is. I love this because it's like in our personal life or in our, our public proclamation, whether it's personally or whether it's ministerially, where's the power? It's in the word of God. 
For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4, verse 12 says. Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. So you want to you get through the suffering? You want to be able to stem, stem the tide and stand against the corruption of the culture? You want to be able to stick with what you're learning? Knowing of whom you've learned them? Those things? You want to do all of that? There's no possible way to be faithful apart from dependence on God and his word. And this is why every year we're challenged about this and we ought to be challenged about this. Make much of the word of God in 2024. Personally, study it in your own devotion life. Corporately, be faithful to come, engage your minds and your hearts. Let God's word guide your life, your family. Make, make the word of God special in your life. Oh, I know this, this church is gonna preach the word. Everybody that stands on this platform is gonna open the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. But the question is, are we gonna be doers? Doers of the word and not hearers only. Will we let the word of God really mold and shape our lives? So the message this morning really is about faithfulness. That's what God is calling us to. Hey, as we, as we come into this new year, 2024, there should be a consideration of a commitment in this regard. Will I commit myself that in 2024, as good or as, as, as a struggle it was in 2023, will I commit myself to this kind of faithfulness? And what I'm saying is, faithfulness demands a right perspective. And that perspective is eternal realities. And those eternal realities will guide us to this faithfulness. It's going to be hard. The world is going to keep getting worse. We must continue. We must continue. And if we do, we only do that with the power of the word of God. This is the perspective that we need. By God's grace, 2024 will be a new beginning. Or reissuing the commitment that we've had many, many times in the past as well. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Just before I pray this morning, how many of you say, you know what, Brother Mark, God has challenged me specifically this morning about my faithfulness to him. And I would like to just acknowledge that to you, Brother Mark, would you please pray for me? God has challenged me this morning about my faithfulness to him. If that's you, just lift your hand high in the air this morning. Thank you so much, number of hands across the room. Maybe it's one of these realities. Maybe it's commitment to the word of God. Maybe it's a con continuing in the lessons that you've learned, confidence in his truth. Maybe, maybe you are facing suffering right now and you need to be reminded of this truth. Faithfulness is the key. God will reward you. Moreover, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And I do believe on a Sunday like this where we are intentionally talking about commitments for the new year, it would be appropriate for me to call you to a commitment. What needs to change? What perspective needs to be altered? What sin needs to be confessed so that you will be faithful to the Lord? In just a moment, I'll pray. We'll stand together and our instrumentalists will play, May the Lord Find Us Faithful. Wonderful song that reminds us of, of a goal that we should have as we continue in the things which we have learned. 
I would just invite you, if you would like, to come and just make a commitment to the Lord on bended knee. Just come and kneel here at the front. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, of course, the, the commitment is made in your heart. But I would love to invite you on this, this first Sunday of the new year to just commit yourself to reminding, remembering and reminding yourself of these realities so that you don't get discouraged when there's suffering, so you don't get despondent when it's corrupt, so you don't quit on God and not continue, and that you're devoted to the word of God. What commitment do you need to make? Lord, I pray that this morning that there will be many, many wonderful, serious, spiritually-minded commitments to you from the people of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Lord, you are using this ministry in such a powerful way, but I can only imagine if everyone would have this kind of commitment to faithfulness, commitment to a changed perspective, and that we would remember these realities. Oh, how much more we could even accomplish for the sake of your name. And Lord, we pray that you would do that today, that you would challenge us about our commitment to you and our faithfulness to you. Truly, we say, may you find us faithful in 2024. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.